This is The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travel lovers, and people who dream about moving far away someday. I'm Katie Sewell, a recent repatriate to Seattle in the United States after a year in Rome. My co-host is Tiffany Parks, an expat who spent the last 10 years in Rome. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to join us for the whole journey by beginning with episode one. If you're really interested in today's theme, however, back up to the beginning afterwards. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I have a special guest with me joining us from Boston, Massachusetts. Francesca Montello is here. She's an Italian expat living in the United States. She is a teacher and the owner of the business Lazy Italian Culinary Adventures. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. We've been trying to set this up for a while, so it's actually kind of a thrill to to be on the line with you. I want to get to all the great culinary stuff that you know, but before we get there, can you tell us how you ended up coming to live in the United States from Southern Italy? Sure. So my parents did a lot of back and forth. Uh, My mom was born in Italy. Uh, She came to Boston with her family when she was eight years old and settled in the north end of Boston, which is primarily, or at least it was when she first moved, an Italian neighborhood. It's uh, now it's changed a lot, although it still keeps its Italian roots. And she lived there with her family until she was about 20. Then when she was 20, her family decided to move back to Italy. She really liked living in Boston. By that time, she was working at a, in banking and had settled well, but uh, she was single. So uh, <laughs> her parents, of course, would not let her stay here by herself, despite right. her pleads. Um, so she went back to Italy. While in Italy, soon after, she met my father there, got married. It was agreed upon that they would immediately move back to Boston upon their marriage. I I kid my mom that sometimes I think she married just for the reason of being able to move back (laughs) to Boston. What about your father? Did he marry for the ability to move to Boston? Uh, Not really, because actually that's where it gets interesting. They moved here and uh, he didn't like it here. My older sister was born here soon after they moved. She's a U.S. born. And a a few months after she was born, my father's like, yeah, this is not cutting it for me. So they they decided to, well, he decided for the family to move back to Italy. (laughs) Yeah. So my sister was uh, nine months old and my mom was like, wait a minute, I got married so I could move back to the States and now you're bringing me back there. So... But it just, uh, you know, for an Italian um, man, I think, who doesn't really speak the language, it's very hard to get used to the American lifestyle. So time passed, and I was born uh, four years after my sister, grew up in southern Italy, made made the best of it. Uh, southern Italy is not very, uh, or at least it wasn't years ago, it's gotten a little bit better, but economically, it was a little bit difficult. So my dad would come back once in a while, work for a few months with friends or with connections, then come back to Italy, back and forth. Then in 1988, when I was 10, he's like, okay, let's just move back there. 
I tell my mom that her bags were already packed the minute he said it because <laughs> my mom has always loved living in, in Boston. And so at one point or another, I had one parent who was not very happy when we were here. My dad was not happy. We were there. My mom wasn't really happy, but uh, we've been here since, although we go back and forth a lot now. Where in Southern Italy were you? So I was born in Catanzaro, the province of Calabria, but we lived in a small town called Palermiti, which was very small and about a thousand people live there and we still have our home there and go back during the summers. So in 1988, you were 10, you said, so when you moved back over. So what was that adjustment like for you? Do you remember? Uh, it was certainly difficult. I was in fifth grade. My sister was a little bit older. She was uh, right in the start of high school. Um, so it wasn't easy. My mom never thought we would actually get to move back. So she never really taught us how to speak English. We were placed in ESL classes, and it was not easy. I mean, kids can be cruel as is, but when you have somebody coming from out of the country who doesn't speak English and probably dresses different than they do, certainly it's not always very easy. I went to Catholic school when we first moved, so I think it actually probably was a little bit easier, but they were probably a little bit more accepting than had I been placed in the public school. Then when I got to high school by that point, uh, my English was, was better, but certainly still, you know, the going back and forth when the name sounds different and uh, at lunchtime you eat different foods than they eat and uh, yeah. it was not very easy. Yeah. And did you feel a little bit like your father did where if it had been up to you at that point, you would have moved home or was America intriguing enough? It was intriguing enough. Uh, certainly I enjoyed going back during our summer trips. It was definitely something that uh, my father, both my father and I, uh, more so than my sister and my mom, had a close connection to Italy. I'm not sure why. I, you know, My sister would tell you, well, I was born here in the States. You weren't. Maybe that's what it is or what have you. But uh, out of the four of us in the family... The, my dad and myself. My dad's now deceased, but we had more of a connection to Italy than them. Although as my mom gets older, she's starting to be like, oh, well, maybe I could do six months in six months. Yeah. Well, why didn't you go back? You know, I don't think I could do it on a permanent basis. Certainly not in Southern Italy. There's just not, it's not nearly as exciting as some of the uh, Northern cities. Uh, life's just very different, especially if you're a woman. I couldn't do it on a permanent basis, but one of the reasons why I recently started my business is to be able to have the ability to go back and forth a little bit more. Yeah. Tell me about that, the difficulties of being an Italian woman. Like what advantages would you have in the United States that you wouldn't have if you were living in Southern Italy? Well, I think in Southern Italy, it's unfortunately, it's not the same as in, you know, with Tiffany in Rome or in Northern Italy. It's not, uh, the mentality is still that a woman for the most part, they cannot find work, but even if they could, the woman still stays at home and takes care of the family and uh, the cooking and the cleaning and the mom and the wife before anything else. Uh, for economic reasons, there's just there's barely work for the men, let alone the women in Southern Italy. You know, I'm sure that if I was still there, we had never moved by now, I'd be a housewife and, you know, no disrespect to any house, housewife. It's a very difficult and important role. Uh, but I just wouldn't have the abilities that I have here to do as I wish and work full time and uh, have a life outside of the home. Right. Create a business. Exactly. Exactly. It's not, you know, it's unfortunately Italy can be a little bit divided like that. Calabria and Sicily and more of the southern regions. I'm sure that they've hoped or they wish that it could be a little bit better. 
uh, just economically, it's uh, it's still very hard to find work. Tiffany's talked about that a little bit. It's it's the same in Rome in many ways. Right. Everybody gets their permanent contract and holds on to it because oh yeah if you you get that then you're like never move on then you're good (laughs) yeah right if you you know if you can are lucky enough to have a full-time job in italy with a good stipend and uh, a steady um there's no better place to be the quality of life is great the food is great the environment the air but finding that permanent lifelong uh, job is very difficult and even if you do find it, it's not like here in the states where it's like okay i'm not really happy here let me find something else being happy at work there uh, is a luxury you you stay because it's a permanent paying job not so much whether you like it or not is kind of besides the point yeah right if you like it then that's great good for you basically yeah. right yeah uh, it's interesting in reading the emails you sent me and reading some of the articles that are about you mm-hmm. online it's obvious that food and Italian food and specifically has been sort of a course throughout your whole life. It seems like a lot of great moments that you've had or um, your business entrepreneurship all is revolving around food and cooking and adventures through food, basically. How does that come to be? Uh, Well, you know, growing up in Italy, like I said, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So I have great memories of coming home from school, you know, being dismissed from school and crossing the street because our school was directly across so we'd cross the street and we'd come home and mom would have a beautiful meal it's like is it Thanksgiving no it's just Wednesday mom's <laughs> yeah. home um, so food is was always something very important my dad was a, a green grocer in Italy as well so his job revolved around food and we would always have fresh produce fresh ingredients fresh dishes he was a great cook as well my mom and my sister were all it's a byproduct maybe of being Italian. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, even when we first moved here from Italy in eighth grade, how on the yearbooks it says the prophecy of what everybody will be doing. I remember my classmates prophesied that I would be hosting a cooking show. <laughs> so even as kids, they could see that what I would bring for lunch was different than what they would bring. To me, it's just it's really sitting down with the family. It's important to have a family meal. And that's something that I hope that I'm able to convey through my business and my classes. Yeah, one of the things that you talk about too is is that because your father was selling local produce as a part of his job, that you and your family learned to work with whatever he had left over, whatever he would mm-hmm. didn't sell and bring home. Definitely. It's like, what's for dinner? Well, let's see when your father comes back, what's left on his truck. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it's interesting because I know that you're a teacher too. Um, so that would have been almost something that you grew up used to of ingredients showing up and you figuring out a meal to make out of it exactly is there a way that you teach people to do things like that because i think so often people go to the store and buy like the similar ingredients and assemble the same things that they know how to how to make make, you know right well i well my business and my my cooking classes are primarily i call them lazy italian because i want to be able to teach people how to do dishes with everyday ingredients it doesn't require a stop at the specialty store and it doesn't require hours in the kitchen my mom in Italy had the time to prepare elaborate meals. Most moms and most dads and parents don't have that luxury. So the recipes I want to convey is you can prepare a good meal in 30 or 40 minutes with whatever you have on hand uh, that doesn't require you to be at work until five and then come home and be in the kitchen for another two hours and then cleaning up for another hour. Food's important, but more than the actually what you're serving it's more the family time that I think is important that I think that unfortunately it lacks a little bit here in the states you know because everybody's 
running 15 different directions and everyone's tired when they come home. So who grabs what? And then they're off in their own world or their own room or eating dinner in the bedrooms. I'm more into like, let's prepare a quick meal, even if it's not elaborate or something that has taken hours to prepare. But for that hour, you cooked a meal together, you spent time at the table together with your family. Uh, So that's what I try to convey. Is it just practice? If you do it more often, if you sort of make it a mission of, I want to sit down with other people for a meal every day, is it just a matter of practice where you get better at coming up with what to put together over Exactly. Time? It's definitely cooking is one of those things that you definitely can't read a blog or pick up a cookbook and think that you're going to become a, a great home cook. You definitely just have to get in the kitchen. And sure, you can be inspired by recipes or what you read on the internet or by cookbooks, but until you're actually behind a stove, um, you can't know how something's going to turn out. Even myself, you know, I'll think something's going to turn out one way, and then when I get behind the kitchen, I'll like, oh, well, that didn't work how I thought it was going to. Um, So I think families can really make it a family event where they get home at night and cook together. And the worst that can happen, you will have wasted ten dollars a few dollars of ingredients but the quality time you're able to spend with your family um, is worth it in my opinion now since you've done you kind of have straddled the world of living in the united states but going back to italy a lot and of course growing up there how would you say that the food quality in the united states compares to that in, in italy as a home cook I certainly haven't gone hungry since I've been uh, living in, in the U.S., but I will say that, uh, and I'm sure Tiffany can attest, that the quality of ingredients is a lot better in Italy. Food's a lot more flavorful. That's what I find that uh, food in the U.S. lacks a lot, is the actual flavor. Like, you've lived there, so you know, you know things like tomatoes or uh, the produce itself or pe- fresh peas and fruits just have s- such a deeper depth. Of flavor um, than they do here. Um, so that's definitely one of the things that I miss most, more so than like chicken or pasta and things like that. But the produce and the and the fruits and the vegetables is definitely a lot more flavorful. Yeah, I remember the first time I ate a lemon. Uh, where, where was I? I was on the coast somewhere and I, I was staying in a little tiny apartment and the, the owner left me a bowl of lemons, which I thought I would just ignore, but then one night I was like, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to take a bite of one of those lemons. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it was so amazing, unlike anything I'd ever had before. How do you make up for that in the United States, that lack of depth of flavor and what, uh, what you can I, find I, te- I probably tend to use a little bit more olive oil to add flavor to things, a good imported olive oil, I'll try to get some of the products imported when I can. I'll definitely eat in season, uh, even if it's not the same flavor flavor that you would have in Italy, summer tomatoes here are obviously going to have more flavor than the ones you find in the winter. Right. Um, So try as much as you can to eat within the season that you're in. Shop at the farm stands when you can. Try to have your food from the source to your table. Have that commute be as short as possible to get the most flavor. Another story you told me in one of your emails was about the fact that when you were growing up, you would go out olive picking to actually create the olive oil that you guys yes. use for the year. Yes. Mm-hmm. So tell me about olive picking. What is the reality of being out there olive picking? This is definitely one of my favorite memories. And certainly when I look at pictures of pe- people picking olives, uh, at the time it didn't you know, it was a dreaded activity. We did have a, a plot of land near our home 
with olive trees. So during the fall months, we would pick the olives. And now they got smart. They have nets underneath. They have a way. They've definitely improved. But I remember when we would go, we were kids. My dad would shake the trees. I would literally climb up there and pick them from the trees ourselves. And it was uh, just a great memory of the four of us. Sometimes my aunt and her family would join us just going out in the fields. And you could run around. You know, here it's so hard to let kids run around anywhere for fear that they're going to get lost or something happened. But as kids and as cousins with my sister and my cousins, we would just uh, run around picking olives that my dad would shake off the tree and we'd be bent over. And by the end of the day, our back would be killing me. But we would have these big white buckets like paint. They look like paint buckets. And we would fill them, and my sister and I would try and race to see who would fill the bucket the fastest. And, you know, my mom would make a picnic basket. We would break during the day and would sit under the trees with olives all around us and just eat some delicious sandwiches or salads. Uh, Definitely great memories. Yeah. You know, of course, everyone's going to try to eat a few olives right off the tree just to see. I do not advise that. <laughs> Very bitter. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried that once and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> you have no idea how. <laughs> uh, definitely one of the things that if you take people back, you're like, oh, you should try one. And people will be like, oh, okay. And then you can only play that trick on the same person once. They learned that lesson quick. So then what does it take for you to pick all those olives and turn them into olive oil? Was that something you did or did you take them Somewhere. We would, our town would have a makeshift olive mill again because it was a small town, a thousand people. It would literally be a few doors down from our own house. And during the olive season, olive harvest season, all of the town inhabitants would take their batch of olives and bring them to the mill and they would grind them in front of you and uh, bottle the oil for you. So they would be for a few weeks out of the year, the whole town, the only thing you could smell was olives and a olive oil being made oh, it's uh, so interesting that, it was definitely yeah yeah definitely interesting and uh, great memory yeah a question just popped into my head and and maybe you moved to the united states too young to know the answer but is there anything that about living in the u.s that closely resembles what it's like to live in italy for me there is because even though we were here we kept a lot of our traditions uh, the family meals at night, the Sunday suppers that would be a little bit more elaborate than the weekday ones, uh, the going to church in the, on Sunday. So for me, there's still definitely things that resembles. But overall, like if you were to compare life in Italy to life here, uh, especially life in southern Italy, I should say, it's definitely very, very different. One example would be the month of August. Pretty much all of Italy is on vacation. God forbid you should even need a doctor in the month of August. You're not going to find one. Uh, and to and here, that's like, what do you mean that you have a whole country that literally shuts down to go to the beach? But yeah, that happens. Yeah, definitely not a lot of similarities. I love traditions like that. Are there any other traditions that were specific to what your family did? And they're all pretty much are around food, uh, like having the seafood for Christmas Eve making the desserts, the specific ricotta desserts for Easter. Uh, A lot of the traditions are around food. Uh, One example would be this weekend is Italians celebrate the the Feast of San Joseph, uh, which is uh, March 19th. So that's uh, San Joseph. It's also Father's Day in Italy. So the, the tradition around that would be fava beans are a food that's eaten during San Joseph or chickpeas or foods with breadcrumbs 
So all of those traditions, like sometimes here, we'll try and replicate that here. I'm like, okay, maybe Sunday I'll make some fava beans or and lemons, like you were saying, are also something that, that are eaten citrus fruits during San Joseph. Since you've done so much study in planning your business, Lazy Italian Culinary Ventures, and also teaching, do you have a sense of why Italy as a culture grew up with so much of their traditions around food. The U.S. has that kind of that same thing, but only really in the realm of giant holidays, not in minor holidays and things like that. Food really is a way of life in Italy. It's really what brings families together. It's every, like you said, even the smaller holidays have their own foods. I think that uh, food's a way to value family, too. Uh, It's not just about what you're eating, but the fact that you're bringing people together. Uh, It's how Italians really show that they love each other and that one way that they care for each other is by serving them food and inviting them over for food. The gifts that we buy here for somebody to show them that they love, they really do that with food. I think that's why a lot of the traditions are with regards to food. That's how they they show each other that they care for each other. So are you trying to... With your business, are you trying to bring that to other people? Or what was the instigator of creating your business? My business. So I think my business has a couple of goals. With the cooking classes that I teach here, it's really to show people that a meal does not take hours to prepare and that you can do that after you come home from work. You don't need to resolve to take out or pizza every night, that you can have that quality time with your family and then sit down at the table without everybody going in their own direction so a lot of times I'll, t- I'll teach a class and people will say, oh, this was so easy. Or I didn't know that I could do this. Or oh, this is definitely something that I'll make with my family. So I'm hoping that, you know, if I teach a class with four or five recipes, that even if they only take one of those and the next day they try it with their family, then I will have reached that goal. With the cooking trips to Italy, the goal is a little bit different. I really would like to bring people back to Italy to see authentic food and uh, the authenticity to it that maybe the classes doesn't have because I tailor more the classes to the American working population, but with the tours to really get a taste of what it's, what Italy is like, what Italian life is like, uh, what authentic cuisine is like. And to be able to, to show somebody an authentic Italian meal, I really do feel like you need to go there for that. There's no amount of ingredients or restaurants that you can go here or no amount of teaching that I can do that will show you like a real authentic dinner for that you kind of have to go there yeah and is that just for interest sake or in the hopes that people who go there and see might actually adjust I'm hoping that people who go there uh will come back and say well maybe this is some some aspects of this trip I could bring back there and change my ways of how uh, my fast-paced ways of U.S. living. Maybe I can make some changes and see that uh, that I could slow down a little bit. Yeah. One more question I want to ask you before I let you go, um, which is a little bit off of the culinary topic anyway. I know you've listened to the show quite a bit, and a lot of what we talk about is finding your sense of place if you're kind of a wandering in the world from one place, but you move to another, or maybe you move to a lot of different places. And mm-hmm. so yes. how, do, how do you go about like f- for your own self? Obviously you've spent most of your life in Boston, but how do you feel about your own place in the world and your own journey? Well, it's really complicated and it's really a great question because I never feel as Italian as when I'm in the States and I never feel as American as when I'm in Italy, the grass really is uh, sometimes always greener on the other side. 
uh, when I'm in Italy for an extended period, towards the end, I may start to get a little anxious to come back to Boston and start to miss my Boston way of life. When I'm here soon after, within a month, I'm just like, oh, I wish I was back in Italy. Uh, I could do this if I was there. Or, you know, last week at this time, we were at this cafe or whatnot. So I, I really feel like you would think that when you're here, you feel more American. When you're there, you feel more Italian. But for me, I have found, I don't know if it's just human nature, that we can never be satisfied, unfortunately. But it's like when I'm here, I'm craving being there. And then when I'm there, after a, a little bit, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back to Boston now. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I would say that we shouldn't live that way. It's unfortunately a very sad way to feel like you're always on the outside looking in and that the grass is always greener wherever you're not try to find your place as much as you can wherever you are and be at home and at peace with with where you are with my business I'm hoping like I said that it gives me the ability to do a little bit more back and forth so that I can uh, be better able to appreciate both sides Uh, people often ask me you know would you move back to Italy like you did on a permanent basis and I don't think that I could I've been here now for almost 30 years so this is definitely home but but Italy's also home. So kind of try to be a resident of both places. Yeah, if you can pull it off, why not Why not try? Right, right. Easier said than done. Right, exactly. I actually just thought of one more question, and then I'm going to let you go. I would assume you were fluent in Italian because you grew up there with parents that spoke Italian. But do you find that when you are in Italy, the Italians there can tell that you're not a local? Yes, yes. And they can tell here that I'm not from here either, so... Um, but now when I go back, they refer to me as the American one, which, you know, sometimes like, well, not really. I was born here. I'm, you know, like you, I'm both my parents were born Italian. So I'm hundred percent Italian, uh, but they still like to refer to me or my family as all oh, the Americans are here. Then when I'm here and I meet somebody for the first time, the first question will be, oh, you know, where are you from? And I'll be like, oh, I'm from Boston. They're like, no, no, that's not what I mean. Where are you from originally? I was like, okay. <laughs> I guess I wear my heart in my sleeve wherever I am. Well, I can't thank you enough for reaching out to me and for being on the show. I will put a link to your business on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. And again, it's called Lazy Italian Culinary Adventures. Thank you again for for having me. Yeah, thank you. And please do feel free to reach out again if you uh, think of anything else. I will, definitely. And even to your listeners, they can feel free to drop me an email. I love uh, one of the things that's been great about starting this business is that I'll hear from a lot of people or two or three times removed from Italy and they'll read about a tradition that I post on my website and they're like, oh, I remember doing that or so glad that you're bringing this back. So if anybody has any questions or would like just to say hello, please drop by my website to do so. TheLazyItalian.com, right? Correct. All right. Well, thank you so much. Until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. And here you thought the show was over, but it's not over because after doing that interview with Francesca, I thought of a follow-up question that I should have asked. So I sent her an email. And the follow-up question is a little bit selfish. It's a little bit personal, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. And it was essentially, I should have asked about cooking for yourself when you are alone. And lately, because I've been so busy, I've been having the tendency to eat things that are easy to grab. I eat an apple, then I eat a bunch of lunch meat, then I have a bowl of cereal. Terribly unhealthy and sort of embarrassing, yes, but that's what I've been doing because um, for two reasons. One, busy. And two, when you're alone and you're not sitting down with a bunch of friends and family, sometimes it feels like why bother cooking for yourself? 
I know some people don't feel that way, but sometimes I feel that way. And I've been trying to change that. So I asked her as a follow-up question. And since I was also reaching out, I decided to ask her to send us one of the recipes that she teaches in her classes. And I'm going to put that at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. She said that she's sending me a recipe that's very well received and dare say lazy because it's so easy to prepare. So check that out. Maybe you'll be making a really easy, delicious meal tonight. And maybe I will too, because here's the answer about cooking for yourself. She writes, I am often asked by friends, co-workers, even strangers if I cook every day. I've always found that to be an odd question because to me, cooking is a daily ritual. I would never consider going a day without brushing my teeth or showering, and cooking is very much the same thing for me and many Italians. It's a way of life. If I am traveling or staying in a hotel, it's obviously impossible for me. Being unable to cook while traveling is the only downfall to being away from home. Not having access to a stove is a cause of anxiety for me. However, when not traveling, I would definitely encourage people living on their own to cook for themselves and not resort to takeout, lunch meat, or cereal. Some people prepare a large recipe on weekends to be enjoyed over the course of the week. Honestly, that's even something I discourage. For one thing, you will definitely get tired of eating the same thing two or three nights in a row. Plus, let's admit it, very few things, if any, taste better after sitting a few days in the fridge. That's why I turn to simple recipes that are easy enough to be prepared in 30 minutes or less. Most of my recipes can very easily be cut in half or quartered for someone who is just preparing one serving, which will obviously cut even more time in the kitchen. Living on your own is actually a great way to try out new recipes. Plus, without having to meet other people's needs, you will have more time on your hands. And dinner after a day's work should be a cause for a minor celebration. For someone living on their own, it can be a great time to wind down, recharge, and reconnect with our own thoughts and spirit. Turn on some soft music of your liking, prepare yourself a nice meal, and be thankful that your day is winding down. Consider how the food is nurturing, not just your body, but your soul. And be thankful for the luxury that is being able to cook for yourself. I would also advise everyone to eat at the kitchen table. I am shocked to realize how many people eat anywhere but the table. In front of the TV in the family room, standing at the counter, even the bedroom have become places to eat. I advise people, anyone, families or singles, to set the table for yourself and enjoy your meals in peace, without hurry and at the table. It will change your entire perspective of what dinner is supposed to be. I hope this is helpful. I know it sounds mushy, but cooking and eating with my family is almost a religious occasion for me. I am saddened when it ends. I love lingering at the table, and I frequently tell my family, don't get up yet. I don't want it to be over after we eat. Thank you again, Francesca, and be sure to check out that recipe at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. And while you're there, click the donation button if you like this show. We really can't keep this show alive without support of people who like the kind of conversations that we're having here. So please consider that. Sign up for our Facebook page or contact us on Twitter. We love hearing from you. And until next time, I'm Katie Sewell. If you're interested in sponsoring the program and reaching thousands of people all over the world, send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at M-A-I-L dot com to get the conversation going. Thank you for all the ways you support us, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>